Lightning Strikes Thrice is part of the Pitch Drop Podcast Network, please check out our Patreon page and consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash pitchdrop. Hi, this is Matt. I uh, wanted to say at the top of the show that we had some issues with Graham's audio. So there will be points at which uh, either the sound will be a little funky because we're using our backup master track or I'll be cutting in to replace uh, roughly what he said. All right. Thanks. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a Final Fantasy thirteen series game club podcast. This is episode three, covering chapter two of Final Fantasy thirteen two, and I am your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is... This is Graham Marcuson fighting with some power-out issues. Yeah, Graham might magically disappear. He probably didn't get murdered if that happens. Fletcher. And Ethan. What happened last episode, uh, we we did the prologue, right? Lightning yep. fought Caius. There was an attack on... New Bottom. New Bottom. There we go. The most memorable name in video games. Uh, there was an attack on there from some monsters after a meteor landed. Noel magically appeared. And after much ado, they went through the time gate. Toward... Also, they have a Moogle. Oh my God. Yeah, they have the fucking... They have the fucking Moogle. <laughs> They entered the Historia Crux toward 05 after fall in the Brescia ruins. Sarah and Noel uh, come out of the portal in Brescia ruins, right? And they recognize that they are on Cocoon, and then they are attacked by a giant hand. It's, uh, yeah. As a result, we are at our first major boss battle, Paradox Alpha. And we are supposed to lose. Wait, is this the one where you beat? No, you beat up the arm here. This is the one you oh, win, you beat, right? You, okay. Yeah, you, you do win this battle. Like, it does seem very unwinnable at first. But yeah, this is, where, this is where you get introduced to wounding, right? Okay. Uh, Yes. Yes, I believe so. You're right. You have, I have mixed up the two. Yeah, no, it's the next one where I definitely got power dunk because I was like, I don't know. I feel pretty overleveled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the one where they have, like, one of the apparently ten live triggers in the game where you block a ton of damage, and if you don't block it, you just lose. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And I think we go to jail. Do we go to jail next? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sarah and Noel get arrested by some resident soldiers, but a girl named Alyssa pretends to know them to uh, get them out of jail. 
she wants to cooperate with Sarah and Noel because she recognizes that they react with the uh, ruins' mysterious properties, like the portals in Paradox. I have no idea how she knows this, by the way. Did it she will see come the- up later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She saw him come out of the portal, right? Sort that's, of. That's at least what she says. Yeah, and uh, she figures helping them will further her research. So we head deeper into the ruins, and at this point, we're going to have to fight a Ketsith and Zwerg. Zwergs are great. You pretty much want to try and get every droid in this game on your team, by the way, because those guys are some of the easiest game breakers you can find. Also, I have a bunch of notes before this because uh, I, I I was pretty into the Atlas thing. Feel free. All right. So we walk around. It's raining. And at first I thought it looked really good. And then it turned out that there's a bug on the PC version where the transparency is like super low and if, I was kind of, I kind of, I kind of like the low transparency, right? It's like very yeah, heavy. It's a really white neat rain. effect. Yeah, it's fucking great. It looked awesome, but you get to walk around and talk to a bunch of allies. Uh, well, sorry, not allies. You talk to a bunch of scientists, and you, uh, between the scientists and uh, some, what are, what are the fucking the the named artifacts later on? You get like a a pretty good idea of what's going on here, right? So the ruins are like several centuries old. But Atlas just magically appeared underground from another dimension. It's not like a man-made thing or it's not a foul sea thing. And it's actually what winds up happening with it is kind of cool. It's not physically located in the current place or time and uh, appears in different places somewhat randomly. Uh, Its main body is in another timeline. And uh, they think that Atlas got pulled into the present of Five After Fall from some future time period. And uh, later on, the data log also tells us that he was actually built to combat large-scale falsy. So, like, Atlas, weapon from the future, pulled into the past, but also not actually in the dimension, which is why you only fight his arm. Pretty weird. Uh, Yeah. For what it is worth, I have one quick question. There's a paradox ending that you can get here, and since I'm on New Game Plus, I did see it again. Do we want to cover that now? Okay. Yeah, tell me about it. Because I'm not playing this fucking game again. It's 60 hours. I like it, but I'm not playing it again. Yeah. I'll I'll get to that when we come up to the actual must-lose fight then. The other thing here is this is where we first meet the Academy, and the Academy is a new governing body charged with uh, researching and developing technologies to replace what humanity lost with the death of the foul sea, and they are determined to make advances on only humanity's power. For what it's worth, they do a pretty good job by the end of this game. No, oh, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty, they're fucking surprisingly competent for existing <laughs> inside of a JRPG and not being a villain. They yeah. they figure it out <laughs> rather like rather quick if you ask me. Government funded science actually working for like well a, to be fair it's also over five hundred or so years for them. I guess I know it's well, worse. It's not like their think- development is a very um, normal from an evolutionary standpoint in the first place. So like it's still surprisingly quick for me. Yeah, that would have that would have been the point that I would have made, right? Because five hundred years from now in our actual history, we would expect a lot of change. But if you look at five hundred years when we were earlier on the technological scale, they go pretty far considering that they had a bunch of shit that all magically disappeared and went into like a technological dark age. That's true. That's true. You can talk to Alyssa again before we head into the ruins, and uh, she says they sh- she saw them go through the time gate, 
was curious about them and wants them to defeat Atlas, because if Atlas isn't defeated, the Academy will shut down the ruins to protect human lives. I want to say something about Alice. Alyssa. Well, yeah, let's get every let's get everything before we go go, go, get, go into the ruins out of the way. Yeah, like Alyssa, I like her design and I like her character. I like her design mostly because it downplays how silly those Academy outfits look. And her character, like especially with the revelations you get later, she's really interesting. Yeah, I was trying to dance around that myself, but Yeah, I guess the only other thing I think of note before we head into the ruins is uh you do see Chocolina, not that Chocolina is noteworthy, but the fact that the first weapons you can buy in the game are like 400% upgrades. Yeah, I did think that was a little odd that they did such a power jump early on in the game. Like, I, dude, you'd be so fucked if you went into the ruins without buying those weapons. Yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about our monsters tutorial that you were going to talk about. Wait, before we go in, could I talk about Chocolina? (laughs) Talk about, yes, everything before we go into the room. Okay, so Chocolina, like, um, a lot of her goodwill comes from her voice actor. It's the same thing with Troy Baker towards Snow, is that, like, Chocolina's voice actress gives it, like, a really a really nice quirk, and uh, what I like about it is that it reminds me a lot of, like, cartoons or American sitcoms in contrast to traditional bland anime localizations and video game localizations that they don't take those little risks and those little quirks. Oh, speaking of voice actors, have we talked to Hope yet? No. Not yet. Because okay. that weirds me out a little bit. Alright, so we go into the ruins and we get a monster tutorial. Yep. So at this point, like I said, uh, Cat Sith and a Zwerg. The Zwerg is a droid. I believe this is the Zwerg Scandroid. We can now capture monsters. We are going to get a tutorial here where both of these guys join our party. But how this works is it's random. You have a random chance of getting a monster's crystal after battle if they are defeated. And if you do that, they are suddenly in your stock. I had some before this because I got here, did the initial scene, and then saw, oh, I guess I should go find that medical kit in the first area before I leave. So I already had, like, a fish dude. Yeah, just entering this area triggers the ability to start recruiting now. So you can slightly sequence break. There's not really a lot of places you can be to get No, more and it's monsters. so bad compared to just the fucking Zwerg Scandroid, which is, like, pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm completely serious when I say uh, always get the robots in an area if you can. They are game-breakingly potent most of the time. Oh, yeah, dude. You get the uh, the pulse work soldier is like it's just. I'm oh, yeah. like, he's a pretty great tank. Yeah, dude, yeah. I'm like, fif- I'm like 15, 20 hours in, right? I'm already finished what we're going to talk about two episodes from now. And that dude still has more HP than anyone else in my party. Yeah. Uh, s- same thing with the commando, right? Yeah, I think so. But like I was about to say that like most of the monsters here are like they're pretty tri- typical stuff. They're just commandos and ravagers. But you you can get that sentinel, that pulse work soldier, and there is a medic. I think it's yeah, the medic. Test- yeah, you get the medic in the tutorial because you haven't had one yet. All right, that makes and sense. now you have a healer. It's pretty fucking important. But I don't think yeah. you can get a saboteur or a like a, like a synergist yet no, no they I haven't, haven't even introduced it yet at this point yeah i haven't seen one yet you 
you probably want to make your main characters do that anyway. Same thing with medicking, right? The medic is great until you unlock the medic role. I definitely leaned on Kate Sith for a little while because unlike Matt, I did the uh, I did the right thing and got the ATB gauge first. And I think we've said by now that I'm rolling with a giant DLC spoiler. So, by the way, speaking of fucking DLC, dude, that Mass Effect armor looks really dumb. I found a way to add it into the PC version and it's so bad. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Just fucking just here's two characters in Mass Effect armor and their weird skeleton moogle rolling around. Skeleton Mog is best skin for Mog. For what it's worth, I actually think the best stupid skin is not the Mass Effect armor for Noel. You should dress him up like Ezio because of his twin blades. No, I'm I'm not going to do that. Yeah, are the pants still bad? Up. I yes. haven't looked at that. <laughs> of course are the pants the same, are bad. Are they the same pants? Because that's really goofy. No, they're white pants, like he's going to some kind of murder wedding. No, but I mean, like, are they his parachute <laughs> pants? No, no, he really does have a sort of Ezio thing going on. Okay, it would be way funnier if it was an Ezio top and then these goofy parachute pants. You know, I could that, probably that mod that. Good. Here, I'll make a picture for you later. Okay. So we do our tutorial, we get our Kate Sith and our Zwerg Scandroid, uh, and then what happens? Tell me about it, Graham. They find another gate, but it requires a key, and Noel thinks that Atlas, the giant that attacked them earlier, is what they need to fix. The gate. The gate. Okay. Uh, let's. I guess I'll just bring up side quests. Do you guys have side quests? Look, it's all just like generic stuff. Like find an item, fa- farm for an item, defeat an enemy. Well, you get an artifact for doing the. So- no, okay. I like that they just lost super soldier drugs. Right? They just dropped it somewhere. What if Dude, the kid that's the plot yeah. of Captain yeah, America? Yeah, that was pretty great. It's like, yeah, yeah um, we don't want anyone to know about this, so if you could find these, that would be really great. And then you yeah. find them, and they're like, oh, man, you know, that's that's real nice you found those for us. Uh, we're real glad that someone didn't steal them, and, then, and that they were just dropped by somebody. You didn't just, just like, off that shit immediately? He's just like, <laughs> man, I, I fucking lose my job for doing that. You, uh, you seem way too calm about this. Yeah, you get an artifact for that one. Uh, I think it's one of the... Is that a named artifact or a wild artifact? Mm. Uh, named from memory. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's one of the data log artifacts. You can also fight a Seath, uh, which I actually liked this boss fight. Yeah, it's, because, it's a good mini boss fight. Yeah, it was it was pretty hard, but still over incredibly fast. It's like what I would have wanted out of Final Fantasy thirteen instead of what I got. Ooh. That's what you're going to start getting. Yeah, because I had to... Sw- by the way, Ethan, you didn't miss anything when Final Fantasy XIII did not work on your computer. Oh, well, we could talk about that in uh, episode one and two. <laughs> Actually, um, I tried to fight this Seath mini boss pretty early on, and I wasn't leveled up like you guys, so it took me a very long time. But oh no, this guy's a this guy's a pretty challenging early fight. Yeah, it was hard. I had to switch role. I have I, ha- I had to switch roles a lot. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you get a like straight ravager and build that bar up real quick and then switch over to commando, then you can burn him down fairly quickly, but if mm-hmm. your ravager is not high enough then it's just not it's not going to work out too well. Yeah, yeah I had three commando a three commando paradigm, a three ravager paradigm and a three sentinel paradigm and that's basically how we made it is we had to switch when we were about to take a hit. 
build up the bar and then nuke them really fast. That's not the worst strategy early game, to be fair. No. Because you just take you take so much damage so fast, which is why they give you two sentinels right out the bat. So we do these side quests, right? And we're, as we're running through the ruins, uh, we find another portal in the basement. And uh, when Alyssa is asked when the portals appeared, she says that it's likely they've always been there. But one day, everybody noticed. Afterwards, Sarah asks Noel if they should trust Alyssa. Can I loop back to one bit about the Academia Uniform's design that you've made me think of as we talked about how stupid Alyssa's was? Yeah. Yeah. It just hit me. The Academia Uniforms are Xion's coat from Xenosaga. I never played that one. Which one? Xenosaga? Because all I can think about is the weird blue fur coat. The original one, where she's got the where she's got the sort of tan jacket yeah. and she's the only scientist. Academia is straight up wearing the same coats from Xenosaga. Yeah, I was originally thinking of Xenosaga 3 and I'm like, I don't remember Academia having those weird like blue leather coats. <laughs> one of these fools is going to develop Cosmos. I'd believe it. We should play Xenosaga 3 instead. It's really good. I would be down to play Xenosaga's <laughs> 1 and 3. I like Xenosaga 2 more than Xenosaga 1. Everything, was, do we mention... Everything, everything about it, but the combat is bad. Did we mention what, Graham? <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that Mog talks in the generalities, and we bitched about it forever, and then You Fletch, bitched about it. I Fletch love said, Mog. Fletch was the only person who said he liked it, and I'm convinced he's doing it just to troll me? No, there are specific <laughs> things that you will see were not there yet. Well, I already got there's already I already got some weird lore about how Mog Mog's body is some empty puppet shell. Yeah. <laughs> that explains it. Yep. Like the thing is is that that first cutscene where Mog starts talking, when I first played this game, I realized, oh, then like Moogle saying Koopo after every sentence is annoying as hell and this is da- this is awful. Okay, if you think that's bad, never play World of Final Fantasy. I already have, and you know what? I quit because it was really annoying. Well, that means you missed getting to stack a bunch of things on top of a bunch of other things. No, I played that far. I got to stack. It's adorable. It is adorable. It's just really annoying. Also, World of Final Fantasy has the second best lightning in the entire franchise. Which which Final Fantasy is the first best lightning? Lightning I don't know. There's there's some pretty good lightning storms in a... Oh, 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 okay. I was trying to pretend we were talking about literal lightning. <laughs> Damn you know, it, lightning you know, is also literal lightning. I, yeah. I, I wasn't <laughs> sure which one you were talking about. I was going to say, you know what? The most annoying lightning was in Final Fantasy X. That's true. Why do you fucking flip over like seven times? That animation is really weird because you flip over like seven times but still low to the ground? Well, yeah, that's how you avoid lightning is like just fucking acrobatics. That's what they taught me. This is why I live in California, where we don't have lightning storms. Well, should we move on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Matt, leave that in. <laughs> leave, leave that entire long silence in. I swear to God. <laughs> Editor's note: No.
what am I here for? All these questions appear and barge down the door. Alright. When the heroes reach the northern parts of Brescia, Atlas appears. Alyssa locates an energy surge in the center of the ruins, a device connected to Atlas. There are two choices. See if anything can be done with the device, or attack head-on. If you're me, you attack head-on, and you get... You're like, oh, Power this is I survived one punch, and that was it. Uh. <laughs> uh, so this is where that paradox ending I mentioned comes in. If you defeat the version without turning off the device, you break history. Specifically, you end humanity. Oh, yeah, because he's not there to fight Falci, right? Yeah, so we are treated to Sarah and Noel discussing the absolute culling of humanity and the arms race that is driven by destroying this atlas. And as we look over, like, basically a flaming planes, uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they discuss how, as a result of this one being taken out, the battle shifted in an entirely different direction, arms manufacture was gone up, but Falsi were much more potent than what we had, and humanity was ground to dust. Bad That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> huh. So, don't beat the boss early. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> nothing of value was lost. It does serve an interesting note that you can do that. You can't to begin with. You need a thing from later in the game to allow this to happen. Ah. There's a specific artifact that you can turn on and off, which allows for paradox endings. So if you have that, this is the battle wherein you can break the world. Oh, you can't just close the gate. You can't just uh, close. You can close return to it with it. Yeah, you can return to this area with that artifact later. That's okay, how you get. So this. you need another thing in ability in besides just being able to close the gate again, go back with better numbers. So if I just went back, had better numbers, but didn't have a key item. Yeah, like- if you have the paradox scope item equipped then it will transform a lot of these unwinnable battles into very hard but decidedly beatable battles. Oh, so it's just so like it's just scripted unwinnable. Yeah, they're that's, they're effectively invincible good. and if you have the paradox scope on, they turn into this boss has a set amount of stats who is made to be fought near end game and you can now defeat them. I like that less. It would be cooler to be able to stumble into it, but whatever. Yeah, but it's also made so you do not end humanity without trying. (sighs) Try every day. I'm going to be honest, pretty much every paradox ending is you killed us all. What was that, Ethan? It sounds uh, a lot like uh, from Final Fantasy VII, like the ruby weapon. It's like you you can fight it the very first time that you get to it, but you're not going to be able to defeat it no matter what you do. Sure you can. You just pop open the lid of your console after you cast region and you're good to go. Ha. (laughs) Definitely works. (laughs) It's not how that's supposed to work. No, it definitely works. I did similar for Xenogears. Yeah, when you do that, did did you not know that? When you do that, it can't read the disc to load in Ruby's next attack, so you're just fucking regenerating health again. Wow. Anyhow, 
And at this point, you have realized that you cannot fight Atlas normally, so what you need to do is head down into the ruins and find a device that is going to power it down in the future. While we're wandering around the northern tunnel, Sarah is going to ask Noel about his memories. He can't tell you much, but he does remember that the crystal pillar holding up Cocoon crumbled, and as a result, there was basically nuclear fallout times about 20,000. Yeah, fucking, I love the phrase, nothing remained but crystal sand, which is, like, a, a good phrase. It's actually really cool when you get to see that later in the game, because that's the entire area. That sounds awesome. Hmm. It really does look really good as a, this is the end of the world. All I remember about the end of this game is a 20-minute cutscene, and then I had to watch it every time. But then repeatedly failing to beat Caius. It is not the end of any Xenosaga game, because that's Erde Kaiser. Also, because the cutscene is actually six times longer than that. <laughs> when Sarah and Noel find the device, an Atlas hand comes out and warps them to a puzzle void. Boo. After, <laughs> after they come these. out of the device, it's working, and now they can use it to harm, control, manipulate, whatever, Atlas. It makes the fight winnable and actually really easy okay i like this one but the next one sucks i really love that you fix time paradoxes by dealing with like non-euclidean puzzle reasoning it's great this one is fine right this is like where we uh we have to collect a bunch of crystals on like a tile-based path where we can only step on each tile once and then you complete all three of them and you're good to go this one is fine it's the next one that i really hate the one where the uh, where you have to draw the lines between the crystals, those are great. Uh, I didn't mind that one so much. It annoyed me that it the amount of time between the swaps was not it's a non-uniform. It's so, just stand here and fuck off for a while. Yeah. Uh, wait till you get late game, then you'll see why it's a puzzle. Oh god! <laughs> great. Looking forward to it. <clears throat> also, if you stand on one of the platforms too long, it drops you into oblivion. Why would you stand on them too long? These are so easy. Because I just wanted to see what would happen. Okay. And it turns out the answer was fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't stand around too long inside a hole in time and space, but that's just me. I also don't have a Moogle, so it's not like I'm an expert. You also don't normally go into holes in time or space either. That one I'm going to disagree with you on. Okay. I'm the sheriff of time paradoxes. Howdy. I'm the sheriff of repairing the time-space continuum. I'm here to repair your time-space continuum. Uh, so after you do the paradox, Atlas takes a knee, which just means let's go beat him up now. He definitely does. Uh, so we go fight him. He's got low health. Very easy to defeat. After we... after What? This is the spot where we lost Graham's audio for the rest of the recording. My guess is he said something in the effect of he had some trouble beating Atlas at this point. I feel like I might accidentally be hyper optimizing. And by accidentally, I mean on purpose. But the game doesn't try too hard to keep me from being really OP because I like definitely power dunked all of the boss fights in a pulse. Here's the thing. There are definitely points where it is going to give you optional content. They come pretty regularly, and most of that is designed for you to either return later or min-max. 
At this point, Graham likely mentioned something about how he doesn't like that he needed to grind in order to beat Atlas. But that's like the fundamental premise of a JRPG, right? You could be good at it, or you could replace your ability to be good at it with your time, and anyone can win. So here's here's a question for you. Do you have the DLCs for this? He does not. Okay, one of the three DLCs is the Colosseum, which is basically a series of fan service puzzle fights. Those are meant for you if you think that, oh god, this normal combat is so boring. Every one of them requires you to interact with the mechanics in a different way, and most of them are incredibly challenging. Like, also, this guy is probably, like, narratively... Probably pretty easy, since we theoretically turned him off. It's true. We have we do defeat Atlas, uh, and he is very easy. Uh, after we defeat him, some parts of the ruin are magically time-fixed. That weirds me out a little bit. Uh, Sarah and Noel wonder if someone is intentionally meddling with the time paradoxes, and because it's a video game, if someone wondered it out loud, it's true. And replaying this early part, I give them credit because it puts a whole lot of this in a new light when you know what's happening. Oh, I forgot to read the good joke I wrote in my notes. Comma, as we all know, the angle formed between ground ankle and knee is the measure of an enemy's power. Nice. Sorry, that's all I got. (sighs) That was not, turns out, not very good. And I kept it in anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, hold up. I got I got to think about the Atlas fight. You have one of those weird cinematic action QTE things, and it's really good. I think it's really dumb. Sarah formulates this plan, doesn't tell it to Noel, and he magically knows what the plan is, even though her plan involves a time portal-based teleport, a thing Sarah didn't, didn't even know Noel could do, and we've never seen him do it. Right? Because he, like, jumps up in the air through a time portal up there, and then somehow Sarah gets up there and shoots him in the head? Yeah, but she didn't know he could do it! Nobody knew that, and how did he know that was the plan? Ah, but the thing Sarah is... Sarah just says, do it! Uh, we know how she knows it later. Oh, so. fuck off. Fuck no, off! No, seriously, okay, seriously, be- there's an actual reason. No, I believe you, and that's why I'm saying fuck off! At this point, Graham reads the uh, next section, which is he mentions that Noel and Sarah find a grave for the victims of the purge that died at Brescia. And Alyssa meets them there and recognizes the grave. She says that one of her friends died during their escape, although Alyssa says that she sees her name on the grave, even though she is not dead. What what is the deal with that? Is she supposed to be dead or not? Um, it's an incredibly later in the game spoiler. I'll okay. tell you off. I'll tell you off, Mike. Well, no, then no, I'm going to play this game. I don't remember anything about this game at okay, all. Okay, then I won't tell I you off, it. Mike. <laughs> this uh, comes back. Okay. At this point, Graham makes a comment about the Brescia ruins location on Cocoon. How did they get there? It's like five hundred. It's no. It's like half a mile down. In what used to be a lake. Nora helped them, okay? How did they get there? Remember, we had to fall the fucking vestige 
fell like 500 feet into the lake, which froze into crystal, revealing the fucking ruins down there. How did they get all the way down there? Remember the maglev trains at the start of the game? They They're- ghost rode those down. <laughs> there. <laughs> if you're running for your life, then anything is possible. Okay, they skateboarded down the edge of the sphere. Got it. Here, I got one for you. Remember how it took place over about, let's say, a month in the first game? 13 days. Come on. Okay, 13 days. Editor's note, the game says it takes 13 days, but realistically, it's closer to 15. During those 13 days, they put ropes on those crappy, beat-up maglev tracks and just climbed down the new gravity to Lake Brescia. Oh my god, fucking everyone's palms are permanently maimed. Yeah. That's why everyone wears sick, nasty, fingerless gloves. They do wear a lot of finger... It's on the floor. It's on the bottom of the thing. Graham was expressing a bit of confusion on how gravity works within Cocoon. Yeah, that's my whole point. That's all. That's why I said ropes. Look, I'll draw you a picture, but basically, gravity doesn't work inside a Dyson Sphere like it would everywhere else. What is it a Dyson Sphere around? The false E. F- fine. Fine. That's actually true. No, Bresh is on the inside of Cocoon, but on the bottom of the sphere, which is what I'm yelling about. Yeah, he's yelling about how time and space make no sense inside that place, but we just haven't seen a map, that's all. Moving on. I love it. <laughs> uh, they still need to find an artifact for a portal, so Mog uses uh, another magical newfound ability to reveal one nearby, which... Now you can do pretty much at will at any point in the game from here on out. Uh, yep. There are two keys that open up the gates in the northern parts of Brescia and the underground tunnels in the middle. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in a little bit, once you go back to uh, the Historia Crux, you find out that there's a potential for three separate portals out of Brescia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Near the end here, we get a scene where Sarah wonders why she has any powers at all, and Noel explains the theme of the game for us. The past is what makes us who we are, but we can change the future. Thanks, Noel. <laughs> Wrapping it up, do we have any thoughts on the Brescia ruins in Final Fantasy Thirteen Two? I like this because this is where the tutorial effectively ends, and it's not a bad way to just get all these mechanics together. You don't feel like you're being held back at any point during this segment, but it's a lot more active than the original New Bodum introduction. Yeah, it's neat, even if it's, like, incredibly visually boring. It's visually boring, but it's a bunch of ruins that you're going to revisit throughout time and space. They do a lot of cool stuff with this base area. No, I I believe it. And for what it's worth, this area was one of the ones that's most blatant uh, about reuse. This was supposed to be in 13 proper, but was scrapped when they were cutting the game for time and getting it out the door. Well, you go here. Yeah, but the the fully fleshed out... Oh, you mean like the underground area and Yeah, shit. all of this was supposed to be in that game, and that's why they nope. have it and reuse nope. it. What they already did was boring. Uh, because this, this is the fucking ruin you go through, and then you fight that stupid... What, what, is it, what is it at the end? You fight the motorcycle thing? He's thinking about the Garuda Interceptor. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, this is one of the two areas I believe they said were... It's supposed to be in the base game when we're cut. Should have cut something else. They could have cut that entire tower. 
So I have, I have a question. I can't remember right now, but did did you have the chance to ride a chocobo in episode one or in chapter one? Or is this mm, when yes. uh, you get introduced to it? Yeah, you get to chocobo ride in chapter one. After you do the thing, then you have uh, the opportunity before you go through the gate to backtrack. And that's when you find a chocobo. Ah, uh, OK. Well, this is the point where it actually becomes useful because there's a bunch of uh, not necessarily hidden but inaccessible areas that you can use a chocobo to get to. Yeah, there's that uh, platform where you have to like jump and then hover over the ledge onto the flat platform. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I spent a while trying to get that and then it turned out I just couldn't get it until I did the plot magic of beating Atlas. Yep. Hey, it's Matt. Just wanted to drop my two cents. Uh, this is an okay area. But nobody talked about the music. There are two tracks here, uh, the Unseen Intruder and Unseen Intruder Aggressive Mix. I really like the instrumentals, and they are ruined by a very, very bad rap, which I believe were removed from the American release, but they're on the Japanese soundtrack that I'm using for editing. You've already heard excerpts of both songs by this point. Pleasure. Tell us where we can find everything. We can be found, and by we I mean the rest of your hosts, on Twitter at LightXThrice, or the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LightXThrice. You can listen to my other podcast on the network, Magmar Sucks, where you're stack ranking and building a stack ranked list of all Pokemon based on how interesting they are. Do you guys have any listener plugs? Graham is still doing his new threat Let's Play and he also has the videos he mentioned in previous episodes about La Mulana and his history of having dial-up till 2014. Go check those out in the show notes. Then Graham makes a comment relating to our first season of Lightning Strikes Thrice. I'm still really angry about the entire first season of our podcast. Every time that Final Fantasy XIII comes up, I get mad about it. Don't worry, it's all much kinder from here. Seriously. Lightning Returns is fucking great, but oh my god. I yelled about it for an hour and a half already. Let's fucking... (laughs) Fletcher, do you have anything to plug with the listeners? Yes, yes I do. I can be found at my website, hellscaper.com, where I do rating, podcasts, and various other things. By the time this episode comes out, you might even see the launch of a new show over there. They're good podcasts, Brent. Thank you. Nathan? Uh, no, not really. I, I basically don't exist on the internet. I just pop up for podcasts now and again. Ethan used to be on Magmar Sucks. I may at one point again. I don't know. Probably not. Okay. Well, I guess that's all until next time when we will be talking about the entire series of events that lead to you finishing the uh, Sunleth Waterscape and 300 Afterfall. Yes! So we're gonna be go- we're gonna be going all sorts of places and talking about his royal ripeness. Okay. Yes, I I haven't finished that yet, and I'm already pissed off about it. Why are you mad about it? Because it's just annoying. What's annoying? Tell me, you're not gonna be on the next it's episode. The giant flan. The giant flan is annoying. Why is it annoying? It's kind of cool, a- actually. I don't know. I, I don't like that you do what is essentially an entire boss battle, like the full boss battle, and then oh hey, he just regenerated. Now you've got to run around and then come back and do it again. Well, but the next time wasn't... it's actually like legitimately harder. No, it's not. Are you kidding? It, look, 
if you could do the boss battle and he didn't regenerate, your action as a party would not have been required in any way because it would have been handled already. Uh, the second best paradox in the ending in the game comes from beating him with that regen. Oh my god. Yeah. No, what? that's the best. The second best is this one. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. See ya. This podcast was brought to you by the Pitch Drop Podcast Network. Like what you just heard? Support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. And while you're at it, check out pitchdrop.net for more of this and other shows.